0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Light On, our bi-monthly video series that brings to light the latest and greatest human capital and business topics. Today, I am joined by experts from our health, wealth, and payroll businesses to talk about what employers can expect during the Biden presidency and what impact the president-elect's proposals could have on healthcare coverage, retirement security, and tax rates. Please join me in welcoming Karen Frost, Greg Long, and Wilson Silva. Thank you guys for joining today.
1: Thanks so much for having
2: us. Happy to be here. Happy to be here, well.
0: Of course. So before we get started, I do want to remind our viewers that throughout today's webcast, you can ask a question of our panelists by sharing it in the queue box on the right-hand side of the console. If we don't get to you today, we'll make sure to follow up with you at the conclusion of today's episode. So for today's discussion, I think it might make sense for us to run through each area of interest for employers and offer each of our experts the opportunity to dive deeper into some of the key highlights of interest. But before we do that, I want to start with a general question. Greg, I know you in particular have a lot of experience both in and around Washington. From your opinion, how has the political landscape shifted as a result of this recent election?
3: Dom, thanks. Yeah, it it definitely has shifted, uh, but not necessarily in the way that that everybody expected and some of it is not, you know, uh, uh, fully settled yet. I I think we're all aware uh, that there are several lawsuits uh, from the Trump administration. And there's also uh, coming out in Georgia in January going to be a runoff election. but what it appears to be, it appears that uh, in January uh, we will have a Biden, uh, President Biden administration, and who will be working with a Republican Congress and a Democratic House. So what that means is we have divided government, we have divided power, and that means that many of the, the bold political promises that were made during the campaign will not come to fruition in divided government. Uh, and that's that's something that the new administration is, I'm certain, you know, quite aware of. Uh, but w- what it means is that you're more likely to have uh, work that's done on the margins. So uh, certainly, the uh, the administration has regulatory power. They can act through executive orders, and and very importantly. Uh, this will mean bipartisanship becomes more important, and uh, to the extent that there are bipartisan legislation, uh, that you know, uh, had it been a unified government, it wouldn't have reached the top of the priority list. The bipartisan legislation can become more important in this environment, which I it can be very good news. Now. While I've I've said that uh, bold legislation is is unlikely to pass in this environment, uh, there is one uh, kind of curveball in this: is uh, oral arguments uh, for uh, the Supreme Court started them uh, on Tuesday, uh, and. Th- where that goes, we don't know. Uh, we do know that the decision won't be made immediately. That'll come in the spring or the summer, but uh, the impact of that ruling could certainly impact what goes on in the health area. And Karen might have uh, some insights or some thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, so I'm actually glad you brought up that the recent case about the Affordable Care Act. Um, Karen, I wanted to ask you in your opinion, um, specifically, you know, as we know that the Supreme Court is beginning to evaluate the constitutionality of that law, you know, what do you think the likelihood of that law being struck down is? And then, broadly speaking, if it does, do we have any indication if President Elect Biden uh, has any proposals to replace it?
1: Well, thanks, Dom. So, you know, first and foremost, I think based on past cases we've seen on the ACA in the Supreme Court, most legal analysts, or, or at least many, are suggesting that it's unlikely that the court will strike down the ACA. Um, I don't know know that I have a strong opinion one way or the other as to whether it will be struck down, but let's say for sake of argument that it was, uh, back back to your question. And so first and foremost, as Greg mentioned, um, oral arguments were conducted, but the decision is unlikely before spring or summer of 2021. So it's uh, that gives us time and the administration time to develop a contingency plan and focus on those things that they think are critical to get done first, second, third. Um, So although there's uncertainty for employers, what we expect and what we've been hearing in the press already is that Congress and specific states are likely to take action on those, you know, several things that they think are most critically important. And honestly, those provisions that are most popular uh, among individuals. So things like, you heard along the campaign, uh, you know, let's let's eliminate pre-existing condition exclusions. Uh, one of the things that we hear from our clients is that the uh, coverage to age 26 is actually quite popular and effective. And so as a result, those are the things that we expect quick action on if indeed the ACA was, was struck down. Um, also remember that, you know, President-elect Biden was, you know, was an integral part of getting the ACA originally passed. And so he very much on the campaign talked about expanding, strengthening first and then expanding the ACA. And so if, um, you know, we expect that um, that he will continue to um, encourage those kinds of proposals. uh, And, subsidizing the ACA, and that includes things like the employer shared responsibility provision that, um, that we expect to continue if the ACA was upheld. Awesome.
0: Thank you for that, Karen. So I'm glad you brought up that that affordable coverage aspect. And I think something we're talking a lot about is, you know, if there's a subsidized public insurance option similar to Medicare. And so, Karen, what I want to ask you is if that option were to become available on the ACA exchanges, what impact would that have on employer-sponsored health care plans?
1: Well, so again, back to what I was just saying, the the president-elect really believes that building on the foundation of the ACA is... Um, is really important and where he intends to take the agenda, and he's ex- expressed support for adding that public option that would compete alongside all the other choices. Uh, adding a public option would require congressional action, and so back to Greg's point of having divided Congress, um, it's unlikely to pass. And so, you know, I'll just make a couple of comments uh, about what might happen, uh, but. In the short term, if there was a public option, we expect that it would have very minimal impact, um, and we don't see, we don't expect to see uh, a large number of employees opting out of employer-sponsored coverage, because the the exchanges themselves have you know a whole variety of coverage. The experience is suboptimal relative to what individuals experience in employer-sponsored coverage, and don't forget, there's a lot of confusion that. Um, that employees would have to get through in terms of picking their own coverage for the first time versus having an employer to support them through that process. So we expect limited impact if there was to be a public option. Um, in the longer term, uh, a public option could drive some investment and some innovation in the exchange marketplace and individual markets. And so if the provision would allow individuals to opt out of their employer-sponsored coverage and move into the exchange with the subsidy that's available in the exchange, we could see some decrease in employer-sponsored coverage. But at this point, I think it's it's pure speculation. So, um, you know, it's possible, but with a divided Congress, unlikely.
0: Okay, and then one last question for you, Karen. Where does president-elect Biden stand on Medicare for all?
1: Well, so you know, I'm 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 hearkening back to some of uh, some of the campaign uh, debates that I watched <laughs> about, uh, as a as a, a lover of the political process, and so if, if you recall, in lieu of Medicare for all, President Elect Biden supported lowering the eligibility age for Medicare from sixty five to sixty, and allowing people to buy into Medicare at that younger age. Um, If you, if you listen to some of the analysts, they actually believe this could be good for Medicare because it would lower that average age, bring some people in that are in a younger risk pool. Um, Mm -hmm. That could be good for Medicare overall in terms of the overall financial underpinnings of Medicare. Um, It also could allow, like, as I think about you as employers, um, one of the things I hear about pretty regularly is concern about those pre65 retirees and how they get coverage. And lowering that Medicare age from 65 to 60 gives them an option for the first time that could be um, affordable and could be that path that keeps them on the same um, you know on the same trajectory, both pre65 um, and into, you know, that what they would have normally had post-65 in Medicare. So I do think that that could be viewed as positive by employers and employees alike. Um, and don't forget that it could also be beneficial to employers to their self-insured risk pools as you transition those individuals into Medicare from employer-sponsored plans. Um, but it really depends on how many people would choose to buy into Medicare at that earlier age Versus, you know, maintain their employer coverage uh, until they're 65.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, Karen, first of all, thank you for that deep dive across healthcare. Obviously, you know, given the the news and everything that's been swirling around with the election, healthcare has been top of mind for many people. And so, what I want to do now is actually turn things back to you, Greg. So let's talk a little bit about President Elect Biden's plans for 401k for 401ks, I should say, and then I guess broadly any potential retirement plan changes. So first question to you, Greg, is you know, during his campaign, uh, President-elect Biden suggested that he would address the tax advantage, um, the tax advantage is, I should say, for 401k plan contributions. Are there any changes? And if so, what kinds
3: of changes can employers expect to see? The, uh the Biden campaign did uh, release uh, a, a list of proposals that they're working on. And so we have some detail, but not legislative language. So we don't have all the detail. Uh, what they have come out to say is they wanna equalize benefits. Uh, and they want to do it at, a, at, at the proposal is at a 26% rate. What that means is that somebody who makes $60,000 and puts $10,000 in their 401k gets the same reduction in tax benefits as somebody who makes $600,000 and puts $10,000 in their 401k. They, they want the reduction in in taxes paid to Uncle Sam to be the same in both situations, which today it's not. Yeah, because somebody who makes more is at a higher marginal rate, they, they actually get a, a lesser, they pay Uncle Sam less uh, because of that situation. Now, that that's one of those pieces of legislation which might never see the, uh, the light of day because we're now working in divided government. But I will say, and uh, just is an important segue here, there is substantial uh retirement legislation that was actually just introduced. Uh, Some people call it Secure 2.0. Some people call it the formal name is the the Strong Retirement Act uh, that has meaningful changes, like changing the uh, the required minimum distribution age from 72 to 75. Something like that has legs and could happen.
0: Interesting, interesting. So another question I have for you too, um, Maybe a little bit also one of those things that might not see the light of day. But um, Biden has also suggested that employees without a pension or a 401k type plan should have a quote unquote, automatic access to some sort of retirement plan. So what I want to ask you is like, what would that actually look like if it were implemented?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, so there have been multiple proposals on this. And oh, nice. uh, certainly out of the Democratic House, you, you have proposals for automatic IRAs and a- automatic 401ks. Uh, that is not likely to move through a Republican Senate and therefore not, not likely to to become law. But the Secure 2.0 has a provision in there that would mandate that new plans, uh, be automatically enrolled, that, that new plans, when they're created, have automatic enrollment in them. So that's, that's a, a movement in that direction. Uh, but the idea of, of mandating uh, the creation of, of, of uh, 401k plans for all businesses, not likely to move. Okay,
0: And then last question for you. Um, and broadly speaking, of course, has President-elect Biden proposed any other retirement plan changes that you think employers should be on the watch
3: for? Uh, I I would pay a lot of attention to the regulatory sphere as opposed to the legislative sphere. Uh, And that is, uh, there is, uh, we've been playing a little bit of ping pong on the fiduciary rule uh, the, uh, under the Obama administration. Uh, the, uh, the fiduciary rule was proposed and acted and later during the Trump administration struck down by the, the Fifth Circuit Court. The Trump administration has proposed something similar but different and the, clearly the Democratic leaders uh, are not in favor of it. So you're gonna see some movement on that same uh, issue playing ping pong back and forth.
0: Definitely. Well, Greg, thank you, and I appreciate all that insight. And so to round out today's discussion, I want to turn over to Wilson to talk about the election's impact, broadly speaking, with regards to payroll. And so, Wilson, can you tell us more about President-elect Biden's plan for tax reform, and then what that can ultimately mean for employers?
2: Uh, Thank you, Dom. Um, I think I would preface my comments with a lot of what you already heard. A lot of this, based upon divided government, may be a challenge. Uh, But I can say that uh, President-elect Biden campaigned on a corporate rate increase to 28%. That would still be lower than the amount in 2016, while also putting forth plans to provide and expand tax credits for lower and middle-income families. If he were successful in getting that through, that would likely force companies that were planning for the current corporate rate of 21% to adjust and make plans for that related increase. Okay, and then as a follow-up question, I guess, to that,
0: has he proposed any other tax policies that might have a potential impact on employers or their workforce?
2: Yeah, there's there's two things there. Um, under the Biden administration, while earnings immediately above the current taxable maximum for uh, would continue to be exempt from Social Security taxes, Earnings above 400000 would be taxed at the 12.4% tax rate. However, the new taxes on earnings above the 400000 would not trigger, trigger any additional benefits. Uh, he's, Biden's also proposed reverting the top individual income tax for taxable incomes above 400000 from 37% under the current law to the pre-tax cuts and Job Act level of 39.6. So it would return to the maximum rate. All of those, again, are conditioned on legislation, which with the divided government may be challenging to accomplish.
0: Fascinating. No, thank you for that. And I think that's a very important lens to look at. This is New to many of us. And I think a lot of these changes are sweeping at times when you think about them and whole. So I really appreciate all three of you for joining us today, sharing your insights. I know that uh, It's been a busy week or so. Um, and I'm really glad that uh, we got to have you guys on today. Um, and so what I want to do is encourage anyone who's listening today. If you guys have any questions or you want to learn more about our panelists or any of today's topics. You know, ask a question in the Q box on the right hand side. Check out the additional resources. I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, And I just want to remind you that we'll always be here to shed a light on the latest human capital and business topics. Thanks
2: for joining, and we'll see you next month.